and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today we see that a full Savior makes believers in Him complete as nothing else can. It is Christ alone plus absolutely nothing which makes the believer right with God. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Robert Elliott. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you be circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Christ plus a good showing in the flesh leads to hypocrisy which hides the cross. But there's more problems with legalism. Legalism, the problem is sometimes in the short run it can make life better for you. That sounds weird, doesn't it? True story. A cruise ship back in 2003 was 12 hours late getting back to port. It docked after sundown on a Friday, the Jewish Sabbath. And all the Orthodox Jews who were passengers on the cruise refused to get off the ship. It was a Sabbath. And all the Gentiles got off the ship. Now the cruise line has a problem. What are they going to do with these Jewish people who refuse to get off the ship because it's past sundown on Friday? It's their Sabbath. Well, here's what they did. They let them stay on the ship and they gave them another free cruise. You see, legalism sometimes can give us perks and benefits in the short run. That's why it sometimes can be attractive. More problems with legalism. And this maybe is the granddaddy of all problems with legalism. Legalism can only control the externals. The legalist only has the externals under control. As you know, I like to scuba dive. And if I hold my breath snorkeling and go down deep enough, I can collapse my lungs. Do you know why? Because my lungs are filled with air at the surface surrounding pressure. And if I go deep enough holding my breath, I can collapse my lungs when the pressure around my chest cavity deep in the water pushes in hard enough. The reason scuba divers don't have collapsed lungs is their tanks deliver the air whatever depth they are at under the water at the same pressure as they find themselves in. So legalism might keep tidy the externals of the legalist but can do nothing about the heart of a legalist. The heart is untouched by being a legalist. And that's why legalism is empty. Because it doesn't change the heart. I have two cans of soda here. As it turns out, this Diet Coke was bottled in the U.S. of A. And this bottled Coke was bottled in Canada. This Coke, I'm going to throw to my brother. Ready? Ready? 
Nothing came out of the second can. It was bottled in error. It was sealed. There was no Coke in it. I've kept that for 15 years to use. (laughs) Rich knew about this or he'd be adjusting his pacemaker at this point. The point is that both cans of Coke look the same, right? Same with some Christians. The legalist Christian looks pretty good, presents pretty well, but inside the heart's unchanged. It's just rule-keeping. Jesus Christ, this passage is going to teach us that Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. And when you have him, you are full. You need nothing else. Like the soda with, with Coke in it, it's, you're full because Jesus is fullness. If you are trying to get your standing with God made right by what you can add to what Jesus has already done, you are hollow on the inside. You are in a form of spiritual bondage. Because how will you know when you've done enough? If you have to add to what Jesus did, how could you possibly know when you've added enough? Can you stop adding at some point? Or do you have to keep adding until you die? Bondage. The fullness of Christ contrasted with the emptiness of legalism is our passage for today. So Colossians 2, 9 through 17, if you turn there, if you haven't already, Colossians 2, 9 through 17, referring to Jesus, verse 9 says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Everything it means to be God dwells in bodily form in Jesus. He's full. He's complete. Verse 10. And in him, Jesus, you have been made complete. You have been made complete by a complete Savior. Only a complete Savior can make believers in himself complete. You're complete if you are in a complete Savior named Jesus. 10. And in him, you have been made complete, and he is the head of over all rule and authority. That means in all of the created universe, he's the boss. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions, And the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, Christ, made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. 16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance, but the substance belongs to Christ. Oh, the fullness of Jesus and oh, the emptiness of legalism. Jesus Christ is your full Savior. He is the full embodiment of God. And when he is your life, when he is your identity, when he is your Savior, when he is your Lord, you are full. You are complete. 
Nothing needs to be added to what he's done for you to make you right with God. Isn't that great? Christ plus nothing equals right standing with God. You don't need to add ritual to Christ. You don't need to add rules to Christ. You don't need to add regulations to Christ. You don't need to add Old Testament law to Christ. You don't need to add religion to Christ. You don't need to add spiritual performance to Christ. You don't need to avoid certain things to add that to Christ. You don't need to deprive yourself of certain things to add that to Christ. You don't have to add tradition to Christ. You don't have to add anything to Christ. He's sufficient. He's complete. He's full. He is all we need. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim, I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And when before the throne... I stand in him complete. Jesus, my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. A friend of mine named Tim Davis, pastors near Vancouver, British Columbia, and I love what he wrote. In the community next to the one I live in, there's a very large building right beside the Trans-Canada Highway. One of the most intriguing and interesting features of this new building are the no trespassing signs on the fence surrounding it. What's interesting about that, you ask? Well, the building is a jail. That's right, on the outside of this new jail are signs all over the place telling people they're not allowed to break in. Tim Davis continues, it's nothing new. It's a commentary on mankind's fallen sin nature. The Apostle Paul issued the same warning to the believers in Galatia way back in the New Testament. The Galatian Christians had experienced the glorious freedom that comes from faith alone in Jesus Christ. However, false teachers had entered into their assembly and were teaching them that they had to follow the Old Testament law to get to heaven. Paul wrote strongly, to them and said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In effect, Paul saw those believers standing at and gazing longingly through the fence that surrounded a prison of legalism. And he posted a sign with the book of Galatians that clearly read, no trespassing. Now let's pick up the exaltation or the fullness, the completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ with reference to being superior to legalism. Let's look at verse 11 in our passage. And in him, Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Literal circumcision was a sign that God gave to Israel of being in covenant with him as their God. It was a prescribed right to be an outward sign of an inward covenantal relationship between the Jews and God. 
This is not what's being spoken of here. It's not literal circumcision being spoken of here. Instead, what we have here is spiritual circumcision. And what is that, you ask? When we, Jew or Gentile, believe on Jesus Christ, we enter into a new covenant. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Thank you once again for allowing us uh, in your homes and cars or wherever you are this morning. In the studio with me again is my wife, Helen, who is in charge of counseling services for the Christian Counseling Center. Today we want to talk about suicide. It's not a popular subject, but it's a necessary subject. Today, as I indicated, we will talk about suicide. First of all, I would like us to note that suicidal person may not ask for help, but that doesn't mean that he or she don't want help. Most people who commit suicide do not want to die. They just want to stop hurting. Suicide prevention starts with, of course, recognizing the warning signs and talking to them about the seriousness of it. So I'd like us to begin, Helen, to talk about suicide warnings. What are some of the warnings that we look for in a person who is suicidal? Uh, talking about wanting to die or to kill oneself, that is a warning sign when someone is saying they want to die and they have given up on life, that is a major warning sign. A second warning sign is looking for a way to kill oneself, such as searching online, you Google and want to know, or purchase a gun, or mix a potion and drink it. And the third one is talking about feelings of hopelessness or having no reason to live. You know, I prefer to die. I have no reason to be around. I'm a burden on people, so I might as well end it. Okay, uh, that reminds me of walking that we have just experienced. Um, there are many families who are feeling hopeless, helplessness is one of the feelings that they have. Some of them feel trapped. Uh, they feel as if, of course, it's very difficult for them. They have lost most of their life savings, so to speak, when your home is destroyed, what do you say to something like that? What, what can we say to these 
people who are hurting at this time uh, for lack of having the necessary amenities of life, like roof over their heads. I think it's good if we go and show compassion and really listen to them and not try to give ready-made answers or quote scripture because many people, you know, they're not interested in hearing platitudes. They want to know, what can you do to help me? Or are you willing to listen and help me express my emotions? And I think listening is one of the key uh, to this problem. Um, we are also seemingly busy in these days. We, we don't seem to have enough time to listen to people. And there are times when they don't want us to fix it either. They just want someone who seem to care and will listen to them. Would you like to add to that? Yeah, I agree because um, you have to realize a suicidal person is desperate. A uh, suicidal person uh, feels conflicted. And think of persons who lost their homes and... Uh, I heard on the news recently a man said, in the last hurricane, I borrowed money and rebuild, and now I've lost this place. And where am I going to go? Because he says, I owe the bank now. So that's not easy. That's right. And his borrowing power is not the same as it was at the last hurricane. No, so no. It, it, he could somewhat feel... Desperate and hopeless, and helpless at this time. And when I saw him, he was standing there in the middle of rubble. So there he was. Where you know, where is the hope? So I don't think that gentleman wants someone to come and, and quote scriptures at him or say, you know, cheer up. It's a bright side somewhere. No, I think he wants someone to really listen with him and really see if you can offer, how can I help you? What can I do? And then listen actively to what he, you know, he's trying to tell you. Very good. Um, what are some of the other signs you see in those who are thinking about suicide? Sleeping too little or too much. I've heard people in the past say, I just want to go to bed, and when I wake up, I wake up in glory, and this pain will be over, and I don't have to face tomorrow. So that is a big sign. Uh, it's more death wish. I, I just want to float away in the clouds, and, you know, I won't have anything to worry about, and it'll be a new beginning elsewhere. And then one of the other signs is displaying extreme mood swings. Okay. One moment you're happy, and then a little bit later you're really down in the dumps. And I think sometimes when persons tend to be happy, people say, oh, she's not suicidal or he's not suicidal any longer. What about saying goodbye or putting your affairs in order, so to speak? Oh, yeah, that's that's a biggie. That's a biggie, because that remind me, I guess, in the next uh, segment, we'll talk about that somebody who, who left a, a gift for me when they, you know, was going through suicidal ideation. And, you know, it was really, at that point, I think, um, severe. Okay. Thank you very much, Helen, for your uh, insight into this. And we will continue next time in the will of the Lord. And now... Today's Ministry Spotlight. One of the 
preaching characteristics that has always marked uh, Calvary Bible Church is the commitment to Bible exposition or to expository style of preaching. And the expository style of preaching is to be careful to take the truth out of the text of Scripture in proper context rather than to try to read into Scripture our own ideas. More specifically, in, I know that Pastor Lee for 22 years, and I know myself as well for um, close to 30 years before I've been privileged to pastor here, that both of us have the commitment to verse-by-verse expository preaching. And what that means is uh, teaching and preaching God's Word in a verse-to-verse-to-verse method. So what's common for me, and I believe was for Pastor Lee as well, is that I begin at chapter 1, verse 1 of a particular book of the Bible, say Philippians, and when I get through chapter 1, verse 4, one Sunday, the next Sunday I come to Philippians 1 and start at verse 5. And then I just work my way in this example through Philippians, verse by verse. Um, and there are a number of reasons why I appreciate that training that I have received from Dallas Theological Seminary. And here are some of them. If you preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, God raises the topics and subjects. If I'm working my way through Romans, as I happen to be right now, and I am going verse by verse by verse, I get to the mid to latter part of chapter one, and God starts talking about homosexuality. So no one can say accurately that I just got on a hobby horse about homosexuality when I preached. No, God raised the topic of homosexuality and I had to address it. I had to look at what God said in those verses, that's observation, interpret what God said, what did he mean by what he said, and then I have to carefully and accurately apply what God said in its meaning to everyday life. So that's just one example. Um, I know I've preached through the um, Gospel of Matthew. Uh, when I got to divorce and remarriage, nobody could say, well, you're just preaching against divorce and remarriage because of you know, Mrs. McGillicuddy. No, I preached what God teaches about divorce and remarriage because that was the next verse before me. So one of the beauties of verse-by-verse expository preaching is that God raises the topics and you just faithfully preach them. You don't pick them. You just faithfully preach them. I love that. The second thing I like about verse-by-verse expository preaching is that it gives the true impression to the people in the pew that the Bible is literature. It's inspired by God literature, but it's literature. It has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. It has a flow of thought. It has a plot. It has an argument. It makes a certain point. And when I preach verse by verse, then the person in the pew can see where it's all being put together. Versus some topical preachers would jump and hopscotch all around the Old and the New Testaments around a topic. And that is a way to preach, but it's not my preferred way to preach. Because what I hate is if I'm at the back door after I've preached in a worship service and someone says to me, man, pastor, I never could have gotten what you got out of that passage. I hate that because it doesn't make me feel important. It makes me feel like I failed. 
because I want the people of God who have the Spirit of God living in them, who happens to be the author of the Bible, to feel like they can observe the Bible for themselves, they can interpret the Bible with the Holy Spirit's help, and they can apply the Bible. That's what I want. I don't want someone to say, man, you went all over the Old and the New Testament finding verses. I never would have found all those verses. I would never have come to the conclusion you came to today. I don't like that at all. That makes me feel like a failure. The third thing about expository preaching is that it saves me a lot of time on a Monday morning. If I preach, going back to my example, if I preach Philippians 1 verses 1 to 4 on a Sunday, then I don't have to guess what I'm to study for, for the next sermon. <laughs> on Monday, I go into the office and I pick it up at Philippians 1 verse 5. So there's no waste of time. I don't have to rack my brain. Oh, what should I preach about today? Yesterday, or, or yes, Sunday, I preached about uh, giving. What should I preach about this week? Oh, let's preach about parenting. No, I don't do it that way. I stay in a book of the Bible. I go verse by verse, and it saves me a lot of study time because I know what to study next, and I love that. And the last thing I'll say, there's more to say, but the last thing I'll say as to why I like expository preaching is that that's how people learn. We don't learn uh, in a random, all-over-the-place set of facts. We learn with facts that line up, that progress, that are logical, that are connected. That's how we learn. And I want God's people to learn God's book, and God bothered to reveal his book in a progressive, logical, developing way. And he did that with books of the Bible, Breaking that down, he did that with chapters of the Bible. Breaking that down, he, he did that by verses of the Bible. So I really don't see a lot of benefit into taking a verse here, a verse there, a verse from over there, a verse from up there, a verse from uh, down there, and try to you know fuse it, weld it, glue it into some one sermon. And I don't think that's how people learn. So it's been my privilege for close to 30 years to preach expositorily and uh one of the great joys I have here at Calvary Bible Church Nassau is to be with a congregation that is used to that, that sees the value in that, that wants that. And I'm very, very happy to be here to uh, look at God's Word Sunday by Sunday, verse by verse. And that's why I'm an expository preacher, and that's why Calvary Bible is a church that welcomes expository preaching. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.